Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today is going to be fantastic, and I, I really mean it. I think each and every one of you are going to get a lot of our topic because we're going to be talking about having persuasive communication. And as we all know in the training uh, field, if people don't believe in what we're talking about, if we don't have that confidence in that, in that person we're talking to, we're not likely to be effective. Our guest today is Jeff Tibbet. He is the founder and partner in Targeted Persuasion. So Jeff, just quickly give us just a, a quick highlights of your background. Absolutely. So I speak professionally. I'm on the stage about half of my life and I speak on persuasive communications. And the other half of my time, I'm the founder and, and run the company Targeted Persuasion. We're a public affairs and communications firm, which for us means that we work with lobbyists, elected officials, the media and the general public to move policy prescriptions forward for our clients. Outstanding. So I'm going to just really start with that basic question. What does it mean to be... Um, persuasive in your communication what how do you define that what is it what is you know summarize i guess what you what you teach when you talk to people yeah, absolutely so when i talk to people i help them understand and i, I base all of this around the story of my international adoption of the work that i went through and the changes that happened internally as i adopted this baby uh, and began to understand what persuasion is versus manipulation so I help people understand the, the difference between those two and then work through like all the steps of persuasion, beginning with messaging all the way through to that final call to action when you're asking them what it is that you want them to do. Well, that's really cool. And by the way, listeners, we have a free offer. And if you want to be better at having persuasive communication, I'd recommend listening to the end and getting your free offer. Um, so, what differentiates persuasive communication versus people that are manipulative? Because I found that to be interesting. I find manipulative communication to be uh, very negative. In fact, I watched an ad for one of the one of the a political ad because we have an election coming up, and in the political ad, it was for something I supported. But after I watched the ad, I was so offended by how they presented it. <laughs> They're manipulating me. I don't know if I can vote for this anymore. So what is the difference? Well, also, just so you know, if you want to pick up a little bit about political communications, we can do that today, too. But here's the big difference. Manipulation means this. It means to control or to influence a person, to do it unfairly, to do it cleverly. And basically, what happens is you're exploiting someone else for your own good. So when we manipulate, we do move people. We move them to the place where we want them to be, but we do it for our own good, for our own benefit. Now, here's the difference. Persuasion, we're move, moving people as well, right? We're moving them. We're causing them to do something. We're doing it, though, through reasoning or through argument. And the word argument here is the pure sense of the word, not like what we do on Thanksgiving uh, when we talk about politics and religion, right? Yeah. We're talking about argument where I talk about things that are important to me, the other person talks about what's important to him or to her. And over time, through this sustained effort, 
we come to the very same place. And I look for two magical words in any conversation. If I'm working with a client or if I'm talking face-to-face with someone trying to persuade them, I look for two words that are identifiers that will let me know if I'm manipulated or if I'm persuaded. And those two magical words are, that's right. So at the end of a conversation, if I hear them say, hey, Jeff, that's right. We really do need to do that. Jeff, we should partner on that. Jeff, we should go make that happen. Jeff, you, know, you could fix this business problem that I have. You could solve this issue for me. When I hear them say that's right, what I then understand is we've come to this place of common ground, and they're just as excited about it as I am excited about it. And at that point, I know that I persuaded and I didn't manipulate. That's really cool. Now, I'm sitting here, as I'm sure our listeners are, thinking about how many times I've ever had a person say, that's right. I'm sure there are other versions of that's right that would be acceptable. But do you ask a question that leads to that answer? And if so, what would that question be? And to, be, to clarify, yes, uh, that's right is just like the common theme that I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is that spark in them that, that we've come to the same agreement. What I'm looking for is I want them to have, be of the same mindset. I want us to be in common mindset. And it's not always binary. I mean, sometimes I talk about in my book looking for non-binary options, which means sometimes it's not black, white, left, right, one or two, yes or no. There may be a little tweak of how this whole thing comes out so that when we get to the end, you know, that we, we're understanding that they're in the same place that we are. And the call to action, it can vary you know, depending upon what's going on and what's happening. But generally, over a period of time, over sustained effort, you come to that point where, all right, now it's time to make a decision. Are we going to move forward or are we not going to move forward? And sometimes, like even the purest of it is before I can even get there, for them to be so engaged in it and believe in it so much that they're like, hey, Jeff, yeah, yeah, we really need to do this. Let's go partner on this event. Let's go make this happen. Yeah, that's cool. You know, when training in front of a group of people or presenting in front of a group of people or doing a keynote in front of a group of people, I always find it's really important at the beginning to get why I'm talking, why it matters to them, and what's in it for them. Because if I really want them to pay attention, that's the way I do it. If you notice at the beginning here, I said, if you know if this matters to you, listen to the whole thing, get your free offer, if, if you remember that. And, and I do that because I, I think that a lot of times people go to training because they're told to, right? They're, they didn't choose to. So like if I choose to um, go to a training class or something, I'm highly likely to be paying attention. If I'm told to go, maybe a little different. So when you speak as a public speaker, do you take any of these concepts into that or any recommendations you would have to a a trainer on how they can get that buy-in from the participant to pay attention for the, uh, in, in the training? Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is what we just talked about how we manipulate people to learn or how we persuade them to learn. And we, we can pull them to that point where they really want the knowledge, but they want it for themselves. They don't want it for the company. They don't want it just to get a certificate. They really want the knowledge for themselves. That's where that's a sweet spot for, for trainers to get them to the point that you persuaded them, you pulled them into that. But a big part of it, I, I think, is focusing on their win. I talk about this. I have a chapter in my book where I talk about helping others find their win. That was a big part of what I learned during my, this process of the Haitian adoption was the understanding like what I want 
versus what the other what the other person wants. Um, and, and understanding, you know, as our friend Zig Ziglar has said many times, that we'll get everything in life that we want if we first help another pe- enough other people get what they want in life. When I step on the stage, I love to speak, first of all. I love being in front of audiences. I love the energy. When I'm in front of audiences, I am not thinking at that moment about the check the payment that I'm going to get. I'm not thinking about the book signing after. I'm not thinking of anything other than how do I connect with this audience? How do I get them involved for themselves? How do I make this connection with them so that they'll take the content for themselves and apply it to their lives? I think that intention setting is incredibly important. Could you share with us maybe an example of an audience or something and what you did and how you got that buy-in? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I look for after I speak, like a successful speech to me, if people say, hey, Jeff, you came on the stage and you had energy, you know, you gave us some actionable content. But the third one that I, that I look for is if you made a connection with us, you know, you helped make a connection. When I hear that, that excites me. I feel like I've done my job going up uh, on the stage and speaking. There are lots of ways to help make a connection with the audience. The first way and the way that I love to use is comedy or using humor, like finding a way to get the person you're with laughing, get them to smile. Oftentimes, especially when we're thrown into new situations with new people that we don't know, it's just a little bit uncomfortable. So what do we do to lower those walls, lower the defenses? One of the best ways is humor. I'm taking, personally taking a 10-week stand-up comedy class. It's on writing stand-up and presenting stand-up. And I'm doing it because I know that will help my audiences accept my message. It will help me make a connection with them when I get them to laugh with me. There are other tips as well. You know, having compassion for, for people that you're speaking with, understanding where they are, what's happening in their life, things like empathy as well. Storytelling is one of the best tools, that, and which is why I use the Haitian adoption story. Telling a story is one of the best ways that you can make a connection. People can feel what's going on in your life, and you can share that bond and that connection with them. Now, you've said Haitian adoption story twice now, and I'm not quite following you, so I'm going to let you go into that and explain. All right, well, I'll back up and talk a little bit about that. It's when I'm on stage and presenting or if I'm doing seminars, it's really the heart and soul of my presentation. Um, my father went to Haiti to do some humanitarian relief and came back, shared some pictures like those old school pictures, like the, you know, the real photos, shared some pictures with me. Um, and I was flipping through the pictures and there was this young girl holding a baby. And I asked him to tell me the story behind it. Turns out it was a ninth grader. She was in an English-speaking American Christian school, and she happened to get pregnant. And they gave her the choice, give up your baby or drop out of school. I personally can't even imagine what that felt like to be told from your school officials, give up your child or drop out of school. And she made the, the gut-wrenching decision that I don't even know how, if I could make it myself, but she made the decision that for herself and for the baby, the best thing that she could do would be to find the baby a new home. My dad just told me the story, but I looked at this at the photo, and I'd never thought about adopting a baby. It had not been a dream of mine ever. But looking into the eyes of this baby, I knew at that moment that my next step in life was to adopt this baby and provide her a home. So within the first 30 days, I found a Haitian attorney. I got my home study started here in the United States. I flew over to meet her, and I took clothing, took food, um, took money for the family to help during this process of, of going through the adoption. And in this time of adoption, one of the things that I learned about myself and how I operate 
uh, at that time was I was great at to-do lists. Like I could get things done. Give me a checklist. I can work through it, make it happen. But what I found was that oftentimes what I was doing is what we talked about earlier, that I was manipulating others instead of persuading them. And what I was doing is I was using all these techniques that I had been taught to get what I wanted and only focusing on what I wanted. It hit me right in the face when I had this moment when my attorney reached out to me and said, Jeff, the, the offices are closed. Airseed's government was collapsing at this, this particular time. There was civil unrest. It was, I had no idea all this was going on in Haiti, but the, the government that I needed, officer I needed to sign this document, they weren't showing up for work any longer. And so he called me and said, Jeff, at best your adoption's on hold, but at worst, this is probably over and you're probably not going to be able to complete this adoption. So I flew over. The next few days I was there and it, this, is, this is what I did. I got up every morning and I went to that office and I sat outside with my translator and I waited all day long hoping someone would show up. I went back to my attorney's house in the evening, disappointed. This went on for about two weeks until finally one day the government official, one of the government officials that could sign it walked in the office. And, you know, I was excited. You can imagine, like, at that point, I'm just fired up. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go at this with this person. And through the translator, I started talking with him. And what was happening was my content was all, of, all about me. So I was saying the word I all the time. I was saying the word me all the time. I was saying my all the time. And this official refused to sign my document. He wasn't going to sign the document. So wow. after all this effort, finally getting there, finally finding someone to sign it, and he tells me no. So at that point, I know that I have to re-message, and I have to find another way to approach this. So with a short time of, of being with Haitians, what I learned was how much they love their children and how their children are jewels to them. So I turned this conversation around, and I messaged from this Haitian's baby's perspective. And I talked about how sick she was and about how she needed medical help, how she didn't, at this point, she had been removed from her mom. She was living in an orphanage. She had no home, how she didn't have a home, how she didn't have a promise of education or financial security or even love and how I was willing to do that. And this person's mind turned over immediately within 10 minutes. The document was signed and I was out the door. And that was the one of many roadblocks that happened during this period of time. But what I learned there was, the difference between manipulating and doing things for what I want and really being able to move someone along. And as trainers, if we can find that place where the students want it, those people that are being trained, when they want it for themselves, it gives us the opportunity for us to be able to move them along where the material would have them go. It's an amazing story. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't highlight what I saw in you telling this story. And what I saw is something that I think most people don't really see or get. And that is you're giving of yourself. You're sharing vulnerably of yourself and what happened to you. And that is an incredibly powerful part of meeting people. Because when someone sees someone being so real, so open, so honest, so vulnerable, it changes how people react to them. And when I hear and see, and of course I get the privilege of seeing you, um, which our listeners don't, you can just tell how the story truly has impacted you. And I, I think that in life, we, we don't share vulnerably. And if we want someone to know 
how important something is and how much we care about them, we become vulnerable and we become willing to share. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. You know, sometimes we think in business or in training that, that we really can't. But what I have learned, my experience is from the stage or standing behind a podium or pulling myself and standing outside the podium, the more authentic I am, the more I'm willing to share my failures, the, the more people will trust me with my successes. And so they seem to love it. They seem to like hearing, All right, this is how I just totally messed up. This is how it didn't go the way that I, I hoped it would go. And, I, and I'm open with that because I also want them to know I'm real. You know, I have my... I, my own humanities, I have my own failings. Listen to what happened here. Then you don't have to repeat it. You can go past it. Um, but I do want them to know, and I think this is important for, for all trainers, uh, I want people to know that I care, that I genuinely yeah. care about their success. A recent event, I, I spoke for a nurses association, and I was talking about persuasive communication. And we were just um, framing this around, especially around bedside manner and, and helping nurses work with patients. Um, it's a very demanding field. And when we finished the, the presentation, I was downstairs waiting uh, at the hotel, waiting for my valet. And, and the head of this nursing division at a prominent hospital here in the U.S. met me downstairs and was reached out to me and she said, Jeff, I just want to tell you thank you. I wanted you to know I was listening with both ears. And I just kind of chuckled. I'm like, well, both ears? Of course you're listening with both ears. What do you mean both ears? And she said, well, first of all, I was listening with one ear as, as a nurse and working with a group of nurses to help my team of people understand how to work with people better. But the other ear, she said, Jeff, I'm a musician and I'm getting ready to release my first CD. And so you gave me tools of how to message myself, how to promote myself, how to brand myself, how to get my name out there. You gave me the tools that I need to help me take this, this recording to the next level. And she spoke about how she's a, a single mom as well. And I'm just like bubbling up thinking, oh my gosh, here you are. You're a budding entrepreneur. This is your first business venture going out there as well, out there. I am so excited for you. In fact, I gave her um, a, a soft copy of the pre-published book, I said, don't copy, don't copy my material here, but here you go, go take it. I want you to use this to do everything you can to make your, your CD downloads a uh, success. So when, when we really do care about people and we want their success, they know it. And they'll, they'll even pull more out of us as, as trainers. They'll, you know, they'll reach in deeper for, for more content. Yeah. And there's nothing greater than when someone tells you you've changed their lives. I mean, that's uh, as a speaker myself, as a speaker yourself, uh, when you know you see people later and they go, wow, what an impact. And I think all of us in our training professions need to realize what an impact we make because we help people get promoted. We help people keep their jobs. Uh, we help our customers enjoy our customers' experience, be better. And I think when you attach the outcome, when you, when you recognize what you're doing, it has such, a, it's, it has such an impact as opposed to just thinking, oh, well, I'm going in, I'm training today, or I'm, you know, I'm doing this today, I'm doing this today. When you think about that bigger impact, and I love when you talked about the child, about, you know, this child's sick, it needs medicine, I can do that. This child needs education. And really framing it from that perspective changes everything. And it doesn't just change who you're talking to, it changes you. Um, and I, I think that's really powerful. 
Well, I think you make a fantastic point there. And I typically leave the stage. The final thing that, that I love to leave audiences with um, as much as possible is picking up with exactly what you're just talking about, the greater good. So when I finish the adoption and I land in the Miami airport, I'm standing in the airport holding her. And for a few moments, I'm pretty excited. You know, I feel accomplished. You know, I did it six and a half months, record time. It's pretty amazing. Um, but almost instantaneously, that went out the door. And I started looking at her with this wonder in, in my head of, what will she become? Will she become a doctor and heal people? Will she become a humanitarian and relieve suffering from others? Will she become a teacher and impact hundreds of students that could impact thousands of lives? Will she go back to Haiti? Will she work there? Will she become a nurse? And while I couldn't answer any of those questions, what I did know was this. This whole thing of adoption wasn't over. This was like dropping a pebble into a lake or a pond. And we've probably all done that, right? We've gone to a lake or pond and we've tossed a stone or something in there. And you hear that thump, right? That deep sound as, as it goes in. That was the adoption for me. That was, that was happening. But what happens right after that? Look around, look up, look around the water. Next are all these ripple effects. And here's what I knew. Even though I didn't know what she would become, I knew that her life would impact others for the good well beyond me people that I wouldn't even know of. And here's the things for trainers. You're exactly right. This isn't just about pushing content out on people. This isn't just about getting concepts out there. When we share information and it helps a person gets, get a job, that means they're going to be putting food on the table for their children. Or if they get a pay raise, that means they might be able to afford dance lessons. Or what about tutoring for a, a kid to help make sure that they stay up with the schoolwork? Imagine the, how that changes yeah. that kid's life as well. This isn't just about pushing content. This is really positively impacting lives well beyond us or anything we'll ever see or know in our lifetime. Did you hear the Winston Churchill story about his father and... I don't remember the story exactly. I'm summarizing it, uh, but people can Google it, and it's better if you Google it and really hear it. But the summary is that this um, this person befriended Winston Churchill's father in some way, and um, and he wanted to do him a favor, so he put his kid through college because this. I, I don't remember what the favor was. Anyhow, the kid goes through college, becomes a doctor. And it's, uh, I don't remember, Pasteur, the, the guy that developed penicillin. Okay. So if Winston Churchill's father had not, if this person hadn't befriended Winston Churchill's father by doing this favor, this uh, uh, penicillin would have never been invented. And then Winston Churchill's life was later saved by the penicillin. So it, it it's, it's a really cool story to Google. I'm, I'm not really telling it well, but that whole principle that you just talked about of impacting others and you never know, by putting that kid through college, he saved millions of lives, including his own son. That's you know? an amazing story. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do. I mean, it's very easy just to get down into the mundane of, you know, getting a slide deck prepared or getting a topic or getting a handout prepared or, you know, prepping for class and, and doing all those things. It's easy to get down in that. But when we lift our head up just a little bit and think about these permanent outcomes or outcomes that are going to live beyond us, we'll walk in to train people 
fired up. We'll be motivated to go. And then our, the people that are listening will be fired up as well. They'll take more of the content in, especially if we think beyond today and what the major impacts could be on other lives. And for me as a speaker and someone who leads seminars, that's where I, that's where I focus. I, I know that lives are going to change. Things are going to be better for people. When they understand this content, they begin to apply it for themselves. So we're going to run out of time, but we all have to know how your daughter's doing. She's amazing. She is um, now 15. She was a sophomore. She has her learning permit, so she's driving. Um, She runs track. She's a dancer. Uh, This summer, she decided she wanted a job. She went online. She found her own job. She went through the interviews uh, for that. She's working part-time. She's in school. She's managing life. She's saving money. She's prepping for college. She's doing amazing. I'm so proud of her. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a happy, happy ending. So I ask everybody for one tip that you want to share. And then after the tip, we're going to give, uh, have you uh, share your, your special offer. But what's the one tip? If you had to give people one tip, what would that one tip be? To focus their work on becoming an industry expert in a specialty area of where they want to be. In this case, if it's training, particular type of training, um, you can set yourself apart from all the noise, everything out there, when you understand like your specialty area, what do you do, how your skill sets apply, how your background applies, what's unique about you, how all that, how that, all that applies, you can set yourself apart from everything else that's out there by focusing on becoming that guru, the go-to person in a very specialty area. That's good. That's really good advice. Really good advice. Okay. You have a special offer and uh, please share it and explain how it works. Absolutely. I have a free chapter from my book, Unleashing Your Superpower, Why Persuasive Communications is the Only Force You'll Ever Need. This chapter is on crafting message. And so this is like the very beginning of how you work with in persuasive communication, how you decide what it is that you're going to say. All they have to do is text the word persuade to 66866, 66866, um, and that will be right in your inbox. Well, what a great chapter. And I, I just, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I think anybody, whether you're in training or not, can learn from you. So I want to thank you for your sharing and your vulnerability. And everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I appreciate it. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.